You're listening to episode 68 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And today we're actually covering a few different topics. So we are talking a little bit about eating disorders, recovery, mindset, uh, some of the, the ingredients that you'll find in food and a lot about marriage and relationships and and making it all work. And I I think this is a really, really powerful episode. I'm so excited to bring to you my friend, Kim. Kim is a certified nutrition consultant, and she really believes that everyone can find freedom freedom from food bondage and self-limiting beliefs. That really comes through in this episode a lot. And she uses holistic nutrition and mindset to help people unlock their real potential by nourishing their minds and bodies with real food nutrition and the self-introspection aspect of things. She also lives in Oregon with her husband of 29 years, who's also a CrossFit and nutrition coach. So we will be talking about uh, her relationship a little bit as well. And we really get into Kim's struggles with severe anorexia and bulimia. We talk about digging into issues around confidence and overcoming unworthiness, shifting the way we speak to our children, other women, and ourselves. We talk about dealing with food sensitivities and how educating herself around what was in packaged foods positively impacted behavioral issues with one of uh, Kim's children as well. And we get into how to build a stronger relationship and have a better sex life with your partner while weathering the highs and lows together. This is such a great episode. There is so much packed in here. I'm really, really pumped for you to listen. And if you want to reference anything, that was listed in today's episode or to make sure to, to connect with Kim. It's all over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. Hey there, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And I'm so excited to introduce my friend, Kim. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. Yay, thank you. I'm excited too. <laughs> oh, good. So tell us a little bit about you and how, you know, like what you do, what you're about and kind of how you came about to be there. I always, I always love the details of this stuff because I feel like how people got to where they are now always has so many interesting twists and turns. And I know that, uh, that your story is no exception. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, first I'm going to stop and I'm going to say, when you asked me to be on the podcast, you said, I like totally enjoyed our conversation a couple months ago. I had so much fun talking to you. It oh my awesome. gosh, you're so sweet. I did. I love too. it. <laughs> it's I love so it. funny because it was supposed to be a 30 minute call and we talked for almost an hour and then my phone actually died and I wasn't even at home. So I couldn't plug it in and I felt terrible. I went running home. I plugged in my phone. I'm like, Kim, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I ran down to my husband. It's like, you know, I need to go to Canada with you. You got to make it work. <laughs> yes. We need to make that so, happen. For sure. know, we need to. <laughs> So, well, a little bit about me. So I am a certified holistic nutrition consultant. I went to school at Bowman College out of Berkeley, California, and I graduated in about 2015. I really focus a lot on mindset and real food eating, um, teaching people to have healthy, um, a healthy mindset around food so that they can understand that food is like their friend and not really an enemy and food's not good or bad. You know, it's just a choice. And how that came about was um, for me, 
way back when I had shared this with you way back when I was in high school and until I was probably, I want to say until I was almost 25 years old, I struggled with a severe, a very, very severe eating disorder. Started out as um, anorexia and moved into bulimia and it, it almost killed me. And the person who helped me, I had a really good friend whose mom was a nurse and she reached out to a dietitian at the local hospital and the hospital um, kind of, the dietitian at the hospital pro bonoed me and took me um, under her wing and um, really taught me about food. And some of the habits that she taught me were, you know, maybe not so good. It was based on the standard American diet but it really helped me to go through a recovery. And then um, moving forward, you know, in my adult life with um, my family, um, my child, one of my children had some um, eating sensitivities that affected his behavior. And so we had to look at food. And then um, just as different stages in life, I got more and more interested in um, it. And when I saw how it changed my life, I really wanted to help others. Um, with food. And so in, I think, 2013, 2014, I decided, okay, I'm going to make my dream come true and I'm going to go to school to um, be a nutritionist. And so I that's what it. I Oh my gosh, that's awesome. It, I, I really like how, how much your journey evolved too, because that's, that's pretty significant to have struggled with that kind of an eating disorder that, that severely, especially to where you are now. And how you, how your entire relationship with food has completely shifted. And even dealing with uh, one of your children who, who had like behavioral issues then because of food, that's a really key component that I think a lot of parents might potentially overlook or just not, not associate, right? Like we, we don't necessarily tie those two together right away. So how did you end up kind of figuring out that that was one of the potential factors there? Oh, wow. Well, the first time around, you know, because I feel like I'm one of those people that I have to go through things several times before I really learn it. So when we had lived out in the Midwest, we'd actually lived in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. And my son just suddenly got sick where he had, you know, he was having loose stools and it was, they were weird loose stools and throwing up in the middle of the night and I had no idea what was wrong with him. He was maybe, I think he was almost two years old and he was starting to lose weight. And we had to take him to Children's Hospital and they were testing him for cryptosporidium and all this and they couldn't find anything wrong with him. And then I just happened into a health food store, which I don't think I've ever been in one before. And I was talking to the um, clerk there and a customer came in and she's like, well, what about food? Have you tried this and this and this? And I, and it was just like, all these lights went off. I thought, no, oh, I didn't know that. And, you know, and honestly, I grew up eating this standard American diet and watching commercials. And I had this mindset that if something was sold in the store, then it was healthy for us. Even if I read the label and I saw all these things on it that I didn't know what it was, um, you know, these chemicals or whatever, and Kraft macaroni and cheese, you know, I would look at it and I would think, well, of course, it's healthy for us. It's sold in the store. They wouldn't give us anything that wasn't healthy. <laughs> and so that was like when the lights went off that, oh, food could be infecting us. And then we moved um, out here to Oregon because I live in Oregon. 
And my son was about three years old and somebody had said that, um, you know, I think that your son's ADHD, of course. And so we were talking to the pediatrician about it and he, you know, he diagnosed my son with ADHD and they wanted to put him on Ritalin. And, and I was adamant. I did not, I did not want to do this. Why would I put a three-year-old on this? And, um, our pediatrician then suggested, and this is back before most people had computers. We didn't even have a computer. I don't think cell phones were really out yet either. <laughs> um, I'm dating myself, but I um, suggested a diet called the Feingold diet. And so I went to the library and started researching and discovered that there was this doctor named Dr. Feingold who um, had put together all this research showing, and a lot of it came out of Europe that um, the artificial colors and flavors and ingredients, preservatives in food was actually affecting people that had ADHD, autism, schizophrenia, things like that. And what really kind of triggered my brain was that there was also this chemical or a preservative called BHT or TBHQ. And I had remembered when I was pregnant with my second son back in Wisconsin that my doctor had said, okay, I want you to stay away from any food that has BHT in it. And I'm like, what's that? Um, and she had told me that it was a preservative and it was banned in Europe because the research had shown that when pregnant women had food with BHT, that it actually crossed over the placenta and changed the brainwaves in the babies. And so she wanted me to avoid that during my pregnancy. And it was in the instant mashed potatoes that I loved. So, and if you look at a lot of the labels nowadays, you go to the grocery store, you'll find that it's actually a preservative that's in a lot of our children's cereals. So, um, so that kind of triggered like, oh, wait, I've heard about this before. And then we had noticed when he was on this diet that it did help. And we had given him some cottage cheese and almost immediately we saw this behavior change and where my, my eyes got really big and I'm like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And I went and um, asked to see the label. And sure enough, it had... Um, something in it called vitamin A palmonite and vitamin A palmonite I had learned often has BHT in it as a hidden ingredient. And so that's when I, when it just really clicked that yes, food affects us. And, um, it, and I had always thought at that time it had affected, you know, more kids, um, not really evolving to the fact that it actually affects us as adults too. So that's but, so yeah. interesting. Yeah, the education around all of that is is really, really fascinating. And I, I think that there's such a need for it to just get out there so that we can start to figure some of this out for ourselves too. And I mean, in terms of your eating disorder too, I know that you said that you had um, uh, your friend's mom was actually the one who helped get you in touch with a dietitian who helped you a lot. But at, at that point, had you recognized yourself that you needed help for your eating disorder? Um. I didn't know then, you know, I, you know, I was really angry when I had my eating disorder. I had a lot of anger in me and I was refusing help. And, um, and it wasn't, it, I had to go through like a lot, 
several years before I was willing to accept it. So when my parents, um, when I first, when I was first diagnosed or when my um, parents started being suspicious about it um, was in my senior year of high school. And I, um, I went, I don't know how much I weighed, but I lost a lot of weight real quick. And all back, when I graduated from high school, I think I was maybe between 98 and 102 pounds. Wow. And, and I'm 5'8". I was going to say, I, I happen to know that you're very tall. So yes, that's, yeah. that's extremely yeah. low. Yeah. Yeah. And I might've been like five, seven, five, seven and a half, um, at the time. But, and I, re I remember, um, walking into a classroom and hearing some ki kid behind me when I was talking to the instructor, um, say, look how, you know, whisper, look how skinny she is. And from, in my mind where I was at the time, that was a good thing. So I, I realize now looking back that if somebody told me that I was too skinny, then that was almost like a really good compliment. But if somebody told me that I looked good, that was almost like telling me I looked fat. And I had this real fear of fat. And, um, and I didn't, yeah, I didn't think that I needed help. And it wasn't until a few years later, um, you know, that it was, it became, you know, it became overwhelming and tormenting and I um, really didn't want to live because it, it was so hard to live with. And, um, you know, one of the, I want to back up. One of the things that was common when I was in high school, we didn't really know a lot about eating disorders. Um, you know, this is back in the eighties. I graduated. I'll date myself again back in 1983. <laughs> and I remember girls often saying, Oh, I wish I was anorectic. I wish I had an eating disorder. And that is probably one of the worst things that you could ever wish for because it's horrible. And, you know, and I remember saying those same things and then going on this crash diet and not knowing anything about nutrition. I didn't know anything about calories. I had no idea what a carbohydrate was or anything like that, but um, not really knowing um, how to eat healthy. And so going on this crash diet where I'm not eating, and then losing weight. And in my mind, I'm saying, well, if I get to this weight, then I'm everything will be perfect and I'll be happy. And then I would get to that weight and then it would be, I'd have, I wasn't perfect and I wasn't happy. So I would have to set another weight and it just kind of progressed. But, um, I, it was so horrible that I remember, um, I was terrified to eat. I was terrified. I would read calories and I was terrified of calories, but I would have dreams at night if I did eat about fat growing on my body. It, it was really a, a horrific experience. That's, that sounds incredibly traumatizing. That's, yeah. yeah, that's just awful. I mean, where do you feel looking back? I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Do you feel like there were certain instances or or anything like that, that you can almost pinpoint where your fear of fat started to happen, or did it just sort of develop and, and you weren't, you weren't totally sure? Oh no, I, yeah, I can look back. And, um, so I was always, um, thin when growing up, um, you know, I was just junior high, you know, I had these long lean legs. Um, they'd call me spider legs you know, in school, I remember a girl calling me spider legs and I didn't think anything of it. And, 
Um, so I was always really thin and kind of a, a late bloomer. Um, but there, there's different factors that I think feed into it. Um, the things that we hear people saying around us. Um, so when I, if anybody is listening that's a mom, be careful with what you say about yourself or about your children in, in front of them. So um, my mom, um, awesome woman, didn't know this really. And so she's 5'2", I'm 5'8", and she would see me and she would tell me that I was built just like her. Um, and she's, she's overweight. And I remember standing in front of my bedroom mirror and being told that, oh, my butt was getting big and that I was going to be just like, you know, the other women in the family and have these, what they call thunder thighs. And then my stepdad would continuously say things like, well, I loved your mom when she was thin, but I didn't love her when she got heavy. Oh, that so breaks I, my heart. Yeah. And I grew, I grew up hearing these things. And so at this, at this stage in my life and just the dynamics of my family, which were not healthy dynamics, I had this thought process that um, if I was thin, I was lovable. And I was very, very shy. And I was also um, not very, very confident. I didn't have a lot of confidence. And I was always the last girl that was asked to be on a team. I was always the last girl if I went to a dance that was asked to dance. And so I had this real insecurity, you know, insecurity and started believing that I wasn't worthy. And then going into um, high school, I was always, I was behind everybody else. All the other girls had gone through puberty and I didn't. And so when I did, probably around age 16, and I just really developed, it was right at the same time that I was eating at McDonald's or, or working at McDonald's and eating at McDonald's all the time and not knowing how to eat. I had, you know, didn't cross my mind that having a Big Mac a milkshake and a large fry every day probably wasn't the best thing for me. And so all of a sudden I went through puberty. I developed these breasts. I developed these hips and just my body like did these things that I had no idea. And when I went back to school, people noticed. And, you know, girls would talk about losing weight all the time and they would mention to each other if they gained weight, you know, they were very critical of each other's bodies. And um, I was just convinced that, okay, well, now I'm no longer thin and now I'm not lovable because this is what I've learned. And, and I'm doomed to be heavy for the rest of my life because that's what I've been told. And um, I've always, and I wanted to fight that. So those are, so I, I feel very strongly about the things that we say about ourselves in front of our children. I, I'm really happy you bring that up because I, I'm I'm not a I'm not a mom, so I can't speak to that. But I do think that it plays a really significant role, and I, I'm actually glad that it it feels like it's starting to get more and more attention because the the tides are changing a little bit, and women at least seem to be maybe it's just the circles that that I run in, but women seem to be encouraging each other to be much more supportive and to not base everything 
off of a number on the scale or even just, you know, telling, telling women that they look beautiful, which yes. is great. That's an amazing compliment, but it, it doesn't focus on all of the other incredible qualities about that person as an individual. Right. And we can't just have those conversations without making it bigger picture and, and making it about, you know, what a sunny personality someone has or some incredible innate talent that they possess. There's so many other ways that we can compliment other women and, and children and all of, all of these things to come from a place that isn't entirely dependent on looks or weight, I, I think. Right. Right. And, um, we are not, we hear this a lot. You're not your, your weight. You're not fat, you know, all this sort of stuff. We're our, who we are inside is not based on our outward appearance at all in any way. And I don't know, I feel like society for a period of time, we really got away from that. And we, we praised um, people that looked perfect on the outside, even though they were totally um, broken on the inside. And we, we failed to look at that and recognize them for the things that they did great. And I think you're right. We're starting to come around and do things differently. One of the things too is um, I know that there were periods early on when I would get after, you know, I went through recovery and everything that I would say something and, and I catch myself now, like if I feel bloated, oh, I feel fat today. And I might say that like to my husband because subconsciously, really what I want is affirmation. I want him to say, no, 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 you're perfect. You know, and it's just kind of, it's almost a passive aggressive way of getting that affirmation. So that, that's a really interesting one because I think that there are a lot of women who probably do that and, and no, no shade to anyone on this. I mean, I've, no, no. I've been there too in terms of, you know, seeking validation or affirmation in, in one way or another. I think that we all have. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that we have to really think more closely about. If, if our instinct is to say to, you know, even, even another girlfriend, but especially someone like our partners, do I, do I look fat in this? Like how many men make, make jokes about that, right? Like, oh, you know, always just say no. <laughs> but it, it's a problem because when, when we're asking those questions, there's a reason why we're asking those questions. And it's typically not the surface level words that are going with that question. It's much, right. much deeper than that. Right, right. I have to tell you something funny, though. If I ask my husband, do you think I look fat? You know, which is so ridiculous because I know I'm not. But if I ask him that, his response will, will be, well, I don't know. You have clothes on. Why don't you take them off so I can see? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is a much better response. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> the other thing too is that we compare ourselves to other women a lot and, um, and it's uncomfortable. So I will have, I've had people compare themselves to me and, and it makes me feel very awkward um, when they're criticizing themselves. You know, I don't know if my friend is telling me, oh, I feel so fat. I, I don't know what to say to her. Um, or if she, somebody says, well, I, you know, your eyebrows are perfect. Mine are just this. It's like that, that whole criticism that we do of ourselves to our friends is really uncomfortable for our friends. And um, we need to stop. Honestly, we need to stop doing that. I'm glad you bring that up actually, because I think that that needs to be discussed more. And yeah. 
I am very uncomfortable when that happens. And, and it's because we live in a world with Instagram, <laughs> we will yeah. say things to each other where it, it's just a pretty picture that's posted, right? So I feel like those conversations often end up happening more and more now because it's even more uncomfortable in person. But sometimes I've gotten comments like that that, that are very complimentary to, to me but they're bringing down the person saying them at the same time. And that makes me extremely uncomfortable. I can absolutely relate to that. It, it's funny. One of my, one of my really close girlfriends posted on one of my photos, something about um, how good my, my hair looked. <laughs> and then she did like the crying emojis and my mom checks my Instagram sometimes. And she, she commented, she's like, why would somebody just mention, you know, your, your hair, you had like a beautiful caption. And I'm like, mom, what you don't know is the backstory here <laughs> because my girlfriend had just gotten a haircut that she hated and she had reached out to me the night before. We'd had an entire like long lengthy conversation about how to deal with this haircut. So there was a backstory to it. So she had, I knew that she'd read the caption and that she'd appreciate it. But yeah, it's it, a lot of times that is not what's happening. And it's just purely from the standpoint of someone is, is just stuck in this comparison trap and trying to look outside themselves and think that they're not good enough in right. comparison to somebody else. So I actually, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned your husband too, because I want to talk about him in a second, but really quick, I just want to ask you, like, do you want to say anything to people that are currently dealing with a sense of unworthiness or dealing with something like an order, an eating disorder, which largely tends to stem from feelings of unworthiness and, and not good enough and all of those things. Do you have anything that, that you would want to say to anyone in that position? Yeah. You know, I, if I were physically with somebody that was struggling like that, I would want to put my arms around them and give them a big comforting hug and let them know that you are enough. You are okay. Just the way you are. And you, you know, you're amazing. And there's so many wonderful things about you. And every single person has flaws and they have hurts and they have insecurities and they have hangups. You're not alone because oftentimes when we have eating disorder, when anybody has an eating disorder, we feel alone, you know, we, and we isolate ourselves, but you're not alone. And it's okay, you know, getting help doesn't mean that you're going to suddenly like become that blueberry girl from the Willy Wonka movie, you know, you, that's not going to happen. But you, you don't have to live this way. You can have a full, healthy life and surrounding yourself with people who feed into you and support you and encourage you um, is so important. That's and so I beautifully put. That. Yeah, so beautifully put. Thank you for that. I, I think, I, I hope that, that there are people listening who, who need to hear that right now and that they can really take that in and, and just let that sit and really absorb it because that's, that's something that all of us have days where, where we need to hear that, but some more than others, especially. And that's just, that's really, really powerful. Yeah. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit because okay. I want to talk about marriage. <laughs> okay. So I love that you have been um, very 
open about your relationship with your husband in a lot of ways. I, I see posts sometimes pop up of, of the two of you. You guys are the cutest. And I, I want to talk to you a little bit about how you make things work, um, how you how you really kind of grow and develop as a couple. You and I were, were actually talking about this a little bit just before we jumped on. And I know you guys have been together for like 30 years this year, married for 30 years, which is amazing. So tell us a little bit more about that. Like what, what do you want people to know about marriage that you feel like people aren't talking about? Yeah. Well, um, marriage isn't perfect. It's hard work. And I think that oftentimes we go into it with rose colored glasses. I know um, Rick and I did. We, um, I was telling you earlier that we went through this premarital counseling before we got married. And, um, we were told that what we were feeling was warm fuzzies and not real love. And that after um, we went through some hard times and the commitment kicked in, that that's when we would experience real love. And I um, remember looking at the person and I'll never forget it thinking, Oh, I feel so sorry for you. What a sad, horrible marriage you have. <laughs> you know, you're, you're delusional. We, this is love. We're so in love, you know? And, um, and then like three years down into the marriage, we're kind of like, ooh, this is not fun. Who are you? <laughs> ooh. <laughs> you know, I know. And, you know, and it's like, wait a minute, you fart a lot. I didn't notice. You didn't do this when we were dating. Or you're, you're so boring. You know, you want to, you fall asleep and all of this stuff. And um, when you, when you get married and when you're in a relationship, any relationship, you have the dynamics of how, like I have the dynamics of how I grew up and the family patterns and no family is total is like totally healthy. So I, I'm bringing into a marriage, my family patterns and my husband's bringing into the marriage, his family patterns. And I always tell people they're like two broken plates that you have to super glue together to make one plate and there's all these cracks and lines and sometimes there's like little chunks of glass from the plate missing and you still got to eat off of it and so fighting through those and going through and learning communication skills um, really makes a difference and being able to own our own crap um, which is really hard because I can point out all of his flaws, but when I have to look at my own flaws, um, it makes, it makes me hurt. You know, I don't like it because then I feel, then I, I start hearing all of those old stories. Oh, I'm a failure. I'm this or I'm that. But, um, when we were married for about three years, we just really were going through a hard time and we decided right away, well, you know what? let's get some help. Let's go to some counseling. And one of the things that helped us was learning what he means when he says something and what I mean when I say something. So just because what I found is that I would say something like, oh, um, I would really like hardwood floors in the house. And he would hear I'm going to pull out the carpet and go spend thousands of dollars on a hardwood floor. <laughs> and then he would say something else. And then I would hear, no, you can't ever do that. We're never having hardwood floors. And then before I know, then I'm saying you're controlling. And, and then he's like, you're frivolous. And so all of that, so, <laughs> so learning that whole, he said, she said, and how that works. Um, and then being able to say, okay, define, what do you mean by you would like hardwood floors? 
oh, well, maybe in 20 years we'll get hardwood floors like that, you know? I'm laughing because I, I, I have 100% done that dance. <laughs> yeah. I think that anyone who's been in a long-term relationship ever gets to that point at one point or, not, or another with their partner because so often we will say one thing, but we're, we're thinking something else. And I mean, really, right. communication is, is the basis of any good relationship, whether it's romantic or otherwise, but it's, it's, a, it's an entire language to learn. And it's something that we have to do a lot of work on both individually and as a couple to wade through that and actually figure it out. And I mean, you and I are talking as well that kind of getting through these lows is what generally strengthens you as a couple. Now, I mean, obviously that's dependent on circumstance and, uh, you know, like anything like, like abuse or there's, there's various situations where that doesn't apply, but overall, getting through those, those low situations uh, together is what is going to bond you together and make you even stronger and better than you were before and give you a greater understanding of the, of the, the human being that you live with too. Right. Right. And, um, and that's, and I do want to preface that, that um, in cases like if there's abuse and abuse could be emotional abuse, physical abuse. I mean, um, you know, I'm not saying in any, any of those, you know, like stick it out, work it together or anything like that, because it's abuse. But um, one of the things um, that I see is that when the going gets rough, oftentimes people will think, well, I fell out of love. And, um, and so I don't love you anymore. I don't want to be married. And they throw in the towel on the marriage. Um, when really all relationships go through a hard time, you know, even when we have kids, you know, our kids are naughty. <laughs> You know, and it's like, we just don't throw in the towel just because they're naughty. Um, well, not all, naughty all the time, but when they are. But, um, so sometimes, you know, just perseverance and, and I'll just be honest. So Rick and I went through a really difficult time. I want to say it was about 12 years ago. And, and our marriage was at a point where we were very seriously considering throwing in the towel. And I remember thinking to myself, um, what was it that I fell in love with? You know, I, I fell in love with this, this man and I just adored him. And we are now we're both at this point and we're doing different things. Um, and I, I asked myself, what did I fall in love with? And is that still there? You know, where is it? I know he hasn't changed, you know, and I started focusing on, those positive things, instead of focusing on how much he farted all the time, (laughs) I focused on the things that I really enjoyed about him and I loved about him. And I felt that when I did that, it really renewed um, my appreciation of him and and just kind of re-refreshed my love for him. And as I like told him what I loved about him and, you know, and showed kindness and everything to him, he responded to that and reciprocated with me. And then what we had also realized was that in the midst of having kids, we had three kids and then we had custody of my niece. So we basically had four um, at the time. We um, realized that all of our energy and all of our focus was just on our kids, and we had stopped putting energy and being intentional with our relationship. And so that whole courting that we did and um, just spending time with each other when we were first married and dating, 
we'd stopped all of that. And so we had to be mindful and start doing that again. And we still do this, you know, today we have a date night and now we're in the process of, well, let's think of different things to do rather than just going out to dinner. Um, let's go to a painting class together. Let's go to an escape room. Let's go bowling. Let's go um, hiking. And all of that is how we started backpacking because our kids grew up and out of the house and suddenly we're alone again. And it's like, okay, well, this is going to be different. What do we do? And so we started taking backpacking trips together. Oh, that's beautiful. I really like that a lot. That's such a great activity to do together because I, I feel like one of the best things that you can do is to do activities where not only are you like doing something healthy together, but it's also the type of date where you actually communicate too. I've never been a huge fan of like going to the movies because right. you just sit there. Like I, I can do that at home, <laughs> right? You know, the whole point is to do something new and different and, and talk to each other and experience each other. And I, I love that you guys picked something like backpacking and in Oregon, you're in like the perfect place for it. You guys have such gorgeous nature out there from what I understand. And I really like the exercise too about trying to go back and remember what you love about your partner. I've actually, uh, I, I have done that exercise myself um, before and I found it to be really powerful as well because some, sometimes if you are just kind of feeling you know, a little annoyed or anything like that. That's a really powerful exercise. You start to see them in a new light and it's kind of like, then you start to be the change that you want to see in your partner too. Right. And that's a super powerful way of doing things. I really, really like that a lot. Right. Right. It is. I didn't think about that. It, you start to be the change, you know, that you want to see in your partner. Right? Yeah. Because we'll, we'll give our partners such a hard time for, you know, whatever, I don't know, not taking out the garbage or you didn't do this or you didn't come home then or whatever. But at the same time, then it's like, okay, but are we doing all of those things too? Like, right. are we avoiding certain things or it, why, why are they getting annoyed with us? It's a two way street. It has to go both ways. It is. Yeah. It's always a two way street. Always. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask you as well. I, and I, I love that you have been open about this, that you've been very open about talking how health has impacted your sex life as well. And I mean, we, we know this to be true kind of, but like, was that a conversation that you navigated with your partner? And was that a shift that you kind of decided to change together? Or was it one of you kind of shifting that direction first and the other one sort of followed? Well, um, so with the whole nutrition and everything in the family, um, it was me that kind of did the shift. As far as it affecting our relationship, we never, I, I, we never expected that. We didn't know. You know, I mean, that was such a shock to us that, oh, wow. But um, initially, what had happened is, um, I want to say I was in my late 30s, um, early 40s, and I, um, you know, I was looking for ways to fight um, aging. And, you know, because one of the things that I had heard growing up that I didn't want to happen was once you hit 40, that everything was downhill. And so that's how I got involved and just, you know, and totally interested in nerding out on nutrition so that I became like on Instagram, Kim the health nut and, you know, and then found the school that I was going to go to. And as I changed the way I started eating, I noticed some big changes. So I have struggled and part of this goes along with the eating disorder, but I have struggled with depression um, off and on 
for a lot of my life. And I think that most of us do to a certain point. And so it's not uncommon to everybody. And when I started changing the way I ate, and I had discovered too that I um, was intolerant to gluten and it affected me, my, um, my whole outlook on life and my attitude and um, my personality changed. And my husband saw this and he saw how good I was feeling. And then he kind of jumped on board along with me. And besides, I cooked the meals and I shopped for the food. So they either had to eat it or go get, like, cook for themselves or, <laughs> or go that's get a job. That's what I told the kids. <laughs> It's the best way to implement change <laughs> very I quickly. <laughs> I, well, I literally, this is what I said. I, I, I had this moment where I thought, you know what? The standard American diet is killing us and this is how we're going to eat. And I'm, I marched downstairs and I told my family that I buy the groceries, I cook the meals, and this is how we're going to eat. And if the kids, if you don't like it, go get a job, buy your own food literally said that. I told my husband, if you bring any sugary cereals in the house, I'm going to throw them away and you will be wasting money. And he does not like to waste money. So, uh, so that's exactly how I did it. But um, as, as they started seeing these changes in me, um, my husband jumped on board and my kids jumped on board. And then we started working out. So my husband started going to CrossFit. I kind of did that a little bit too. And I started running at the time. And mentally and physically, we felt so good. And as we felt better, we, we felt more comfortable with our own skin and with our own bodies. And that really changed how we viewed each other. And we were okay with being, you know, just more touchy. I don't know. It just really changed everything. And when we changed the way we ate and really got off the standard American diet, um, it completely changed our sex life. And people will have said to us forever that, you know, when you first get married, you can put all of the M&Ms, put an M&M in a jar for every time you have sex. And then after that first year of marriage, it'll take you years to get all of those M&Ms out or after kids, you just don't ever have it anymore. Our sex life, you know, here we are in our fifties is better than it was when we were first married. And we feel um, very confident in our own bodies, even though we might not, you know, I might look at my belly and think, Oh, I'm so bloated today or whatever. I still feel confident enough to be naked in front of my husband because I know that I am not, like how my body feels or even how it may look. I have cellulite on my butt, um, you know, or it's, it's none of that. It's, it's what's inside, you know, the confidence that I have inside. If yep. that makes sense. Does all that make sense? That makes all okay. the sense. And I don't want to be basic here, but like hashtag relationship goals. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, good. So good. And, and, you know, we try to, you know, we try to, um, you know, and part of, part of the sex life too, it comes with having, you know, gone through the hardships too and getting your relationship, getting our relationship or whoever else has gone through it, getting that relationship back to where it needs to be, to where you really understand that, hey, this is a safe place. You know, um, if I have cellulite on my butt, I know my husband's still going to love me anyways, you know, 
that's i think that that's one of one of the things that people need to realize the most is that it does build intimacy by going through those those hard times as long as you can you know come back together again and i i love how you phrase that about it being a safe place like everyone should feel safe in their relationship i i think that that's really really beautiful way of putting it that's that's really powerful yeah yeah so and we good. try to have fun. You know, we gross our kids out all the time. Sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes we just like to do it just to have fun. Yeah, I mean, gross them out. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's time to watch them now. But I love it. That's awesome. Well, Kim, this has just been an absolute pleasure. Let everyone know where, where they can find you. I will obviously be listing it over in the show notes over at uh, roomtogrowpodcast.com as well. But please let everyone know because I want to make sure everyone can, can connect. Okay. Well, you can find me on Instagram, Kim, um, the health nut. And there's like an underscore between Kim or between the, you know, on either side of the, the, that's how I can say it the best. Um, my, you know, my nutrition business is called nourish me naturally. And so you can find me on the internet at nourish naturally.com and on Facebook, um, nourish me naturally as well. Nourish me naturally with Kim actually. And, um, yeah, no, this has been fun. And I feel like it went by so fast. It did. Oh my gosh. I could, I could talk to you all day. Cause we, we have more conversations ahead of us because I feel like we didn't even get to finish that last conversation that we had because my phone died. <laughs> I know. I know. Yes. So, so I have one more question for you. If you could offer people just one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be? Um, really look at your mindset instead. Um, I, I I believe that we have been trained to say, I'm going to, I am, or um, I should. And we say those things um, to ourselves and stop and start saying, I do this. So um, here's an instance. If somebody says, I'm going to stop smoking, if they're a smoker, um, rather than saying that, um, write down on a note card and put down, I am a non-smoker. And then every time you go to grab that cigarette, um, remind yourself, I am a non-smoker. So change the mindset because your brain believes what you tell it. You know, it can't do anything else. It has to believe what you tell it. And if you find yourself um, telling, saying, um, I'm fat, change that. Stop saying those negative things to yourself. Um, Stop criticizing yourself. Talk to yourself as if, and this is something that you might have seen on the internet, talk to yourself, speak to yourself as if you are somebody that you love. And um, that Dove commercial out there, there's one that's in French that did a great job of it, how is women, um, they had somebody speak to the women just the way the women would speak to themselves. They, they spoke to the women like they wrote down in their journals and it was horrible. And so really stop and think about how you speak to yourself and change, you know, and say kind and loving things towards yourself. And then any time that you can start listening to um, different um, podcasts or books or anything just about self growth, always look to be growing and being um, at the next level of where you are now. So never stop and never settle for exactly where you are. Just keep going because we all have room to grow. Oh, I could not have wrapped this up better myself for the Room to Grow podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so good. I, that's such powerful advice. And, and I, I often tell people the same thing, that you have to speak in the present tense. Yes. 
even if you haven't quite gotten there yet, you will, it's going to take time. But, but if you're, if you're constantly talking to yourself, all of that negative self-talk takes a toll that we, we just kind of brush aside. We're like, Oh, you know, whatever. We, we don't really think too much about it. And it's, it's very powerful and we have to shift that in order to, to change the behavior. So that is just beautiful, yeah. beautiful advice. Oh my gosh, Kim, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. <laughs> yes. No, thank you. Uh, and Oftentimes when we say all those negative things, we actually reflect that to other people and then it comes back to us. So, mm, yes. So, yeah. So we have to, so we have to stop that. Say nice things to ourselves. Treat others the way we want to be treated, right? Yes. It, it's yes. a two, again, it's a two way street. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so good. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kim. <laughs> Thank you. That was awesome. Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.